is Ironsides After Dark. Radio check. Copy. Loud and clear. Welcome to Iron Sights. This podcast candidly seeks to create opportunities and deliver impact by sharing the experiences and wisdom of successful entrepreneurs and thought leaders who unapologetically aim to win in health, fitness, business, and life. I'm your host, Scott Howell. Welcome to Old School Meets New School. Tradition meets innovation and imperfection meets excellence. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Here we go. Back to the Iron Sights Podcast after dark. JP, what is up? What up, what up, man? Good to have you back. What a great day this day has been. Like, we're wrapping it up. Started early today out on the range training. It's it's Friday. Yeah. Fridays are always the best day of the yep. week. Because on Fridays, we train. We get outside and train. Mm-hmm. It was a beautiful day, too. Really yeah. nice to be outside. Oh, so so nice here in the Bay Area. So blessed up here today. Just been a really good day overall. And, um, you know, coming in today... You know, we, we've kind of been going back and forth and decided, you know, we really need to talk about this. And yeah, outside of not unrelated to today, um, you know, when I was coming back from the rain today, I was going, you know, I've just seen so much stuff on social. Uh, and I've it, it's like deja vu for me because being from the fitness industry, I've been kind of watching things happen for a long time. And it's gotten a little bit better, if I'm being honest. But uh, some, what I've been seeing is this huge kind of surge in new firearms instructors and new and new people within our, within the consumer, I guess the consumer base starting to go out and get firearms instruction, which is awesome. Yeah. Which is awesome, but it's become a little bit problematic. Yeah, definitely. Um, On the fitness end, I think it's happened way more because as we've talked about before, it's like an older game. You know, it's been around a lot longer, a lot more popular for a lot longer. But with the firearms training, um, it's a lot newer, uh, a lot more new people firearms training. I'm newer to firearms instruction, but it's it's the same thing as fitness. Once you understand something right in the pieces, the components that come together and how to coach somebody. But um, yeah, man, uh, going on the Internet and trying to understand what the reasoning is behind some of these uh, videos I'm seeing where you're, you're not really understanding, like, are you being tested or are you being taught something? Mm -hmm. When you go to a course, you pay to go to a course. Are they testing you? Are they teaching you? And are they telling you this is a test, like a Spartan race, right? Like, oh man, I, I got this gold medal or I accomplished a Spartan race and however many miles those obstacle courses are, they're not teaching you anything. They're testing you and you get, the like participation award at the end. Yeah, yeah. But some of these courses you're going into them where at least you're seeing on social media that they're like selling you this thing, but they're teaching you. But really when you get there, you're being tested and they don't teach you shit. It's almost like they're getting off on <laughs> seeing you go through it. But like, what's the value for the consumer? Yeah, it does, it's um, very much like the fitness industry. I mean, I, I've said this before. I'll say it again. It where we are in sort of the firearms community, this massive industry that exists and people are starting to come to it more Mm -hmm. than ever actually in history, the revenue that's available there and the opportunity that's available Mm -hmm. there. It reminds me a lot of fitness 10 years ago, particularly on the social media side of things, but it's not just the social media side of things. 
social media just provides the platform for people to show and talk about it. Right? Yeah. Uh, it's albeit it's a little tougher to talk about this stuff in this particular genre that is yeah, firearms or whatever because it's taboo and it's being censored and there's a lot of censorship there's a lot of fear and lack of understanding and then yeah i mean like a crossfit workout for example that's my space right uh a crossfit workout's not going to kill you then and there if you fuck a crossfit workout up or fuck up instruction with somebody you you're, you're going to get injured but i mean it's not going to kill you you fuck up firearms instruction you might just fuck around and kill somebody yeah or just give them some <laughs> sense of fa false sense of confidence or whatever that they do exactly, know what they're right? doing and then that that ends up being problematic down the road and it could be tragic yeah yeah i just see kind of this here's here's the challenges that i'm having with it it it's very easy to post a very like a sizzly type video mm -hmm. you know on the gram and get some attention for it and all of a sudden just like in fitness as an influencer would be like, Oh, this guy's got cool gear, the high speed gear. He's shoots really well. He shoots faster, at least appears to, uh, he's <laughs> got this, yeah, <laughs> he's got this cool, he's got this cool vibe. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, it's being honest about it. Yeah. Uh, wow. That's, that's some, I, I aspire to be like that. Yeah. Right. And so there's, it goes from that to somehow that person being then turned into an authority. Right. Mm -hmm. And that person can automatically sort of be this expert. And my point of that is, is just like in fitness, there is a very, is an extraordinarily low barrier of entry that I don't think the consumer really understands. Yeah. Uh, well, and I don't want to, I don't want to say, make a huge blanket statement and say that they, they're just dumb. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying they may not fully understand, particularly when you start getting into the world of something that may have been very obscure to them for a long time, like in this case, we're talking about firearms could be anything, yeah. but low barrier of entry. I can go to a weekend course in, in so to say, to become a personal trainer. And now mm -hmm. I've got a certificate that's hanging on the wall and I happen to have abs cause I'm in good shape or mm -hmm. whatever the case is. I've had success yeah. in the gym and now I'm an expert, you know, I, I'm an expert. And if man, if I can do really well on my social media, well then that proves it you got 10,000 followers. You, you're an expert, right? Like you, yeah, I should be exactly coming to how you. the world is right <laughs> it's now. Pretty much how it works. Mm -hmm. And the reality of it is, is that's not how it works. And, yeah. and I think the, the fitness community has policed itself a little bit in the last couple of years. And, uh, you're starting to see, well, you still see a lot of, let's just say garbage out there, but it's not quite what it was. Yeah. And, no, and I, I think it's much better now in the fitness industry, the, the information that's out, makes it to where um, it's a lot harder to get bamboozled. Yep, totally. It, but the people that are holding people, the industry accountable to that are, are come from both sides. It's both the consumer and the industry now are, is holding the industry to, to a higher standard, which is where it needed to get to. Mm -hmm. Because for so long, there was just, that just wasn't happening. You could say and do whatever you wanted without, uh, repercussions or again with no questioning and then sell somebody literally sell somebody something and they would buy it and they would people made a lot of money off selling snake oil or whatever it is mm -hmm. I guess my my point of it is is the consumer got more educated over time yeah and the consumer started to hold uh, with that education started to hold the industry to a higher standard. They started to ask better questions, started to see through the smoke screens. They started to read through the bullshit and it has cleaned itself up. So again, my, my compare and contrast here is looking at the firearms industry. 
there is so much noise out there, mm-hmm. so much traffic, and there's a lot of enthusiasm around it, right? Which then drives people to want to be a part of it. And it's the same low barrier of entry to become a firearms instructor or an expert, let's just say a subject matter expert in the field. But what does that really mean? Like who's regulating that? Yeah, no one is. Uh, And the internet's such a weird place, right? Because no one's like officially regulating that, but like you'll have, there was an instructor here from the Bay area that none of us know personally um, that got tore up. Right. Um, right for some of the practices that he was doing and, and charging really low prices to get into his courses. And I guess his background was military. And so people are like, Oh, he's ex military. I'm going to take his courses. And then after seeing videos and stuff like that, some of his rationale to me personally didn't seem too crazy, but then seeing how he was going about instructing it, I was like, ah, this, this fucking guy doesn't really know safety or what he's doing or it was the application. Yeah. yeah. But it's yeah. one thing to say it and have learned it from somebody or being taught from a, mm-hmm. you know, study to take your test or study to pass your course. Yeah. But the application of this stuff is where the rubber really meets the road. And that's where that shit got crazy. I know who you're talking. About. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that guy, like the internet did it work on that guy. Yeah. But like, how, how about this jackass out in, where is he? Chicago. The dude, I mean, he's just being clown. I, I, I don't know where okay, he is. Okay, so I've had friends say, you know what? I think that guy's just a, a media content genius and he's a comedian. Oh, a thousand percent. He but, is that. But he can also be. Yeah, but I, say, I, I, from my own findings before he actually went viral, when I just seen a couple of his videos, when it very first started happening months ago, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? You know what I mean? And I looked and from what I collected and I could be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure that this is what I seen. Uh, apparently he did some executive protection uh, training on a big level for people who didn't know any better, but he sold himself so well mm-hmm. that actual people that were like security for like, uh, I want to say it was like football stadiums and stuff uh, was training through him and represented him until he became viral and then some of that stuff went went away yeah it kind of got crazy I, I think the point of that is is whether the guy is an internet marketing genius which I, i'm gonna say yeah part of this is i you know i think I, at this point i think i think he's he a little bit wasn't, he's, he he's a little bit more sophisticated than most people were originally giving him credit for and and whether you want to believe that or not there's a lot of people out there that are still giving this guy oxygen mm-hmm. by reposting his shit and talking stuff talking shit about him which just perpetuates the issue but now it's become kind of comedy right Mm -hmm. in which case like he wins both ways right you want to talk about that that guy won in this situation he he, he wins both ways but but for a long time it was again like you said people were actually going to him for for legitimate instruction quote air quotes legitimate instruction yeah and he was an authority at whatever level this is the same on the fitness industry side of things Right. People can say and do whatever. Mm-hmm. And as long as people are paying them, they're going to keep doing it. Because you what, man, being in CrossFit for as long as I've been in CrossFit, just because you took a weekend course, man, <laughs> does not even come close to making you a coach. That just all that does is tell you corporately what they expect of their coaches. You've, you've met the minimum standard. Yeah. The minimum. That does not make you a fucking coach. Yeah, it's the same. So I would say this. I would I would go one step further and I would say until you've been coaching for at least three years, you're still an infant in yeah, I think that's accurate. In in the industry because it takes that long to 
take the reps. You have not had the reps to understand how that theory that you may have learned, whether it was in a four-year you know, college institution, which then turned into an advanced level degree, which then turned into some certification that you're hanging on the wall in there, you haven't had the practical experience to understand how that theory really looks in the real world at all those different levels. And I'm not saying at three years, you're, you're awesome. I'm just saying it takes three years for you to kind of realize what I just said. Well, to live through shit, you know, to like experience like all shapes and sizes, all skill levels. Yeah. So, I mean, transferring over to the firearm side of things, it's, I would say it's the same Mm -hmm. just because you spent three years in the military. Right. And this is not to take away from the time that you spent there. You spent, if you spent time as a combat veteran, that's what you were doing. You're as a combat veteran. I have highest amount of respect for you for putting your life on the line for the reasons that you did it and for representing United States of America. But at just as you may be really good at developing your own body as a bodybuilder in the gym does not mean you're an expert at coaching people or Mm -hmm. that you can be a good coach. So it's the same thing. People coming out with, let's say credentials. uh, I don't care where you're from whether you're in, in, a, in a line of work that requires you to carry a firearm and it has provided you, or in order for you to get into that line of work, you had to go through some level of education, some level of training, whether that's law enforcement, military, some other government organization, uh, some security type organization, just because you went through that doesn't make you an instructor. And I think this is something that the consumer needs to understand. Right. So like if I have an NRA certification, I'm not a good instructor. And I'm, I'm not saying you're not good. I'm just saying that doesn't make you an expert. Right. Yeah. You I'm know, with you. Yeah. <laughs> so the, I mean, there's, there's, and then there's any level in between. And I think the instructors that are out there and particularly the, the excellent ones would tell you the exact same thing. They tell you, look, I have my, my post cert. I have my, mm-hmm. you know, whatever they are, my NRA cert. I have that because I need to maintain that minimum standard, but that's, where it starts. It's not where it stops. Now I just have that to make sure that I can get insurance, right. That I can have a legitimate business. Yeah. That all makes sense. But I'll tell you what, on the CrossFit end, I have a CrossFit, uh, L one, uh, Olympic weightlifting cert, kettlebell King cert. Uh, I forgot. I have one other one. I don't remember, but none of those mattered as much as coaching like boots on the ground coaching. I've been in this shit for 25 years. I quit paying for certifications years ago. I was like, yeah. what am I doing here? You know, like the, the point of that is, is I never learned more. I learned more in a week on the gym floor than I learned in months of certifications. Now you have to have, I, I think you need to go through and do that work. I need, I think you need to establish yourself as look, I've done these things so that I can, again, call myself a professional and it doesn't just stop there. And I don't want to go into the long, long list of things it needs to do, but I'm going to tell you if you're just, if you're going out to the range and you're handing the instructor cash every weekend, right. You know, uh, and he doesn't have a legitimate business going, uh, that's something I'd be questioning because if he's not operating legitimate, legitimate, he or she operating legitimately that way, probably not operating legitimately in the rest of their life. That's just a, a red flag to me, but, Mm -hmm. um, uh, Again, going back, like it's it's not about how many certifications you have. I really don't. I do care, but it it's not going to be this the reason I choose you as an instructor that you went through 
this particular law enforcement academy or this pr- particular training or this particular special operations training or whatever, I would imagine that you have things to provide that because and you have some practical application that could be very useful. That doesn't mean you know how to deliver it. <clears throat> yeah. And it doesn't mean you know how to deliver it to the greater market or the greater. Yeah, well, it goes back to market. the, are you a coach? Or are you an athlete? Are you an athlete who uh, is so good at being an athlete in any sport or CrossFit or whatever it is that you do? You like it so much that you have to pay the bills so you can continue to do it. And all you know is basketball, for example. Right. So you become a basketball coach. Are you actually a good basketball coach? Or are you an athlete who only knows this? Right. A coach is somebody who understands something fully and is trying to bridge the gap between what your knowledge is and communicating it to somebody who's trying to get that as the new popular term is knowledge, knowledge transfer. transfer. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, yeah. And I like that term. And I thought that was defined. What you just said there was, was excellent. I would agree with you a hundred percent. It's, and you have to meet the, that client or that consumer where they are. Yeah. Right. And in order to do that, there has to be a high level of awareness from both the consumer and the instructor, right? Or the coach. And what I mean by that is if I'm walking into, this might be more uh, um, relatable from the fitness perspective. So if I'm a, if I'm a a consumer, I'm your average Joe and I want to get in shape, right? Or Mm -hmm. whatever. I have a goal. I want to be healthier. I want to get in shape. I want to look a certain way, whatever. And I'm thinking about hiring a coach or I'm thinking about joining a gym. There is a process that most people are pretty familiar with now. If they've been through the, uh, while still only 20% of the United States population has a gym membership and the 80% is doing God knows what, there's a large portion of that 80% that has been through the ringer somehow. Like they showed up for the gym tour. They had that initial session Mm -hmm. maybe with that personal trainer or whatever it is. They kind of get how it works. So what I'm about to say might not sound unfamiliar. And, And that is basically look, you show up to the gym, somebody sits you down, they talk about your goals, right? They talk about what your wants are. They talk about what your fears are. If they're good, they're going to start to uncover things like what they'll call you, what they'll tell you in, in gym sales school 101 is you have to under, you know, figure out what their underlying motivation is. What's the, mm-hmm. what's the hot button? What's the real reason they're there? They got the wedding and they want to look better than their sister at their wedding or, you know, they've got the anniversary trip coming up. They don't want to look fat on the beach. They want to look good in a bathing suit, whatever else. And there's layers of all of the, all of these things. And then they give you a tour and they show you all the equipment and they introduce you all the people that are essentially going to be the people that as they, they're going to tell you are on their, on your side to help you out and get you to that, that point. And then they're going to provide you the solution and they're going to make themselves part of the solution. 99% of the time, I'm going to come back to that. And then they're going to tell you how much it costs and they're going to tell you why this is a great investment for you. And then you're going to have to make a buying decision. And that's, that takes us down a whole, whole other path. The point of that is, is that might be, might, might sound really familiar with somebody or to somebody mm-hmm. that's looking to get into a fitness program. It's kind of been figured out. And there's a few different models that you'll see if you walk into different facilities or work with different coaches. Um, but the best coaches, the most successful coaches are the ones that take an immense amount of time to understand who that consumer is, who that potential client is. And it's as much about deciding or, or figuring out how to help this client and provide a solution for them as it is about figuring out whether or not that's the right client for that coach. And I don't mean like, do I have the skill set in order to help you with your goal? Do I want to instruct you? Right. Yeah. Is, no, is, no, this is something I that, that I want. 
I think that's uh, really good what you just said, all of that. Because I know that um, as a coach that every time I'm working with a new individual, whether it's in a class setting or one-on-one, I always start off with, you know, how'd you hear about us and what do you want to accomplish? Right. How can I help you with that? Why is it that you want to accomplish, you know? And uh, that's not normal in the firearms community. No, it isn't. And it's a problem that I've ran into at multiple companies that I've taken for instruction um, where they're not vetting, they're not spending any time to vet um, who's coming in to like gauge where they're at and whether it's their fitness level or actual shooting skill. And that's something that needs to be upgraded. That's something that needs to be touched on if you want to have better business practice in the 2A community as an instructor. Um, as far as I know, I think uh, GBRS group is somebody who's really good about that. They highly vet. Yeah, they yeah, probably, it's very, to my understanding. Yeah, same and, here. And I don't have any personal relationships with any, anybody that are just in the research that I've done and what I've listened to and read and, and seen. They, they, they go take it to a very deep level to make sure they're getting the right kind of client for yeah. them. What, uh, yeah, because like for me, I'm a civilian, but I'm highly interested in taking like some course from them. So I've, been, try to. Yeah. I've been trying to figure out how to get that done. Right. <laughs> yeah. So with that being said, like, yeah, they vet people like they I, from my understanding, they get to know them on like a basic level, just like we're talking about with our background in fitness. Right. Yeah. And why is that a crazy thing for for the 2A community? You would think like I like I said earlier, you would think that um, if I'm pushing somebody in a CrossFit workout, they might puke. It might strain a muscle. If you're pushing somebody in a firearms environment, you might fuck around and shoot somebody. There's a, there's a lot of problems with that. Yeah. yeah so why is it crazy to think that you can't like have a conversation with people and understand where they're at? Like if somebody flat out lies to you and you're teaching a lower level, like some sort of foundation course, like there's not a lot you can do there. It is what it is. You mean if they exaggerate or if they of, exaggerate, yeah, like they embellish the, their, the usual, I grew up shooting guns. Right. I've owned a gun for so long. <laughs> yeah. We all know that means nothing. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, but my point is like, sometimes it's not the instructor's fault. Sometimes it's not the company's fault. If you're running a lower level course, just some sort of like foundation thing. Right. Um, and they just outright lie to you because they need to get in and get training. And this is their way of doing it. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they came in with a friend who's at a higher level, but they want to go with their friend because they're comfortable. Right, right. Yeah. So I think that's a, that's a, that's a real thing. So just kind of relating back to the fitness side of things, coaches should be interviewing their potential clients as well as clients interviewing their potential coaches. Yeah. I think the challenge is, is again, this consumer base has grown so fast, right? In the, in this within the firearm specific community, there are a lot of newbies and they don't know yeah. what to ask. And again, there's a lot of noise. And so they don't know which direction to go. Going back to that, making that buying decision, I can tell you in the fitness industry, and this is never going to change. This is basically how it's, it's, it's gone when it comes to gyms or facilities. Now that's the consumer is getting much more savvy. And I would obviously expect that to happen in the firearm space too, but it's a pretty sad, it's a much savvier consumer. Now they kind of know the bullshit when they see it, or they've heard the things a million mm -hmm. times now, and they've seen the horror stories or they've, they have a friend that's had a bad experience if they haven't already. Uh, but just, just going back, people buy things like, like gym memberships or lessons or classes at a particular fitness studio, or whatever. First and foremost, it has to be convenient, right? So if, yeah. if, 
if you have a high volume of studios or gyms or whatever in your area that makes it convenient, then it kind of comes down to the next. It's already convenient for me. Like I got this one that's 10 minutes away. I got that one that's five minutes away, whatever. And then the next thing that comes down, down to is, is, well, does it seem like this could be a right fit for me, right? Is this the right, do they have the right programs that are provide the, the right variety of things to fit my goals, my potential needs? And within there, there's always a human component, like a connection component. Like, do I like the people that I met or saw there? And some people don't care about that. They're just kind of picking off. This is convenient, yeah. right? This is, this looks like the right thing for me. Like I want cycling. They have cycling. Um, and then the next thing it goes to is price, right? Yeah. So if there's four cycling places, cycle you know, type studios on the thing, they're going to look at, Hey, which has the, the schedule that fits my needs, right? It has the class that seems like it fits my needs and how much does it cost? Because if you've got two that are probably near, near the same price, you got one that's really low priced then you got one that's, you know, super high priced out of there. They're probably going to visit or choose one of the two, two middle ones. That's generally how it works. However, there's a lot of consumers that just want the deal. So without yeah. doing any research, they're just looking for what's the cheapest I can get in, whether because they're limited from an income pers perspective or they just don't value or again, the, the business hasn't presented the right amount of value, mm -hmm. right? To maybe demand the price that they're asking. And they're like, well, none of that's really worth it to me. So I'm going to go here, but they're placing some type of value exchange, right? For the, for the money that they're paying. But again, it starts with convenience, availability, right? And then price kind of in that, in that that order. Well, the gym business, as we know, is pretty saturated market in a lot of places. This isn't everywhere, but certainly it is here. So it's easy to find a place. So then it comes down to those other things. So if you're a business owner, you better do be doing a really good job at, at presenting value and, and being able to connect with that consumer, particularly if you're going to be asking for a certain rate that's much higher or above, let's just say what typical market rate is. The challenge comes in, this is going back to the, what I said I was going to come back to, the challenge for the newer instructor, same as a, as a personal trainer entering into the market is I don't have any fucking clients, right? So what am I going to do to get clients? They end up doing things like, well, I'm going to get as many people in front of me as I can because then I don't have to charge people so much. You know, I can charge a little less rather than one-on-one -on -one sessions or semi-private sessions or whatever. And I can, so I can really lower the price. You can basically yeah. do a fucking Groupon. Yeah. Right. And I got to tell you something, like I would never go to a fitness instructor or a gym that offered me like a, that had like a program, maybe a gym's different if I'm just walking and using the equipment, but going into like a, a programmed type of thing where they're selling a particular program on a, on a, on a Groupon. Cause what that's telling me is just you don't value yourself because they're not making hardly any money off that, off that group on all they're doing is looking for leads, looking for clients. Yeah. So if you got a, if you got a quote unquote professional coach, right. Who's quote unquote offering a professional program yeah, usually, and they're selling yeah. it on a group on or in a discount, I'd, I'd, I'd start asking some questions. Why are they doing this? What, what is, what is their goal? No, I think you're hundred percent right. In my experience with the fitness industry is uh, the gym that I work at, um, they, uh, they've had people that I've worked with in terms of members that have just outright left for the group on direction. And I've personally felt bad, like, damn, did I really not provide enough value to like, let's be honest, charge three to four times as much as the group on mm -hmm. boot camps. Right. Right. They go there and they feel good because they're getting a deal, but they're also 
they have no rhyme or reason other than cardio and burning calories. And you're probably putting people more in danger than they realize with, uh, let's be honest, dude, heavy set people shouldn't be doing a bunch of plyometrics and, uh, hurdle hops and burpees and shit like that. And it's not appropriate. It's burning calories. But I mean, for how long before something falls apart because your, your body wasn't built for this, you know, being out of shape, you don't have the proper foundation. Exactly. Exactly. So the group on things never going to be a good deal. It might be a good thing to kind of get you introduced. I have a lot of success with people who started off with the group on thing realized I can only do this for three months before. Like I get really burnt out and tired of this. Now these are like lifelong clients that I have that are into train with purpose, which is completely separate right. than my gym stuff because I built their trust when I showed them the value outside of the group on thing, charging four times the price. Right. So the group on got them in the door, yeah. right? Now what happens, right? And in your case, what happened was I recognized I need, I need to take these group on clients as it was offered by the gym, but what can I do with this now? And if yeah. I do my job in building extraordinarily, extraordinarily high level of value and I can help these people find solutions for their problems and I give a shit, yeah. right? I'm checking in, I'm making sure they're getting the things that they need and want in order to achieve their goals. I'm not, I'm not feeding them a line of BS, right? I'm telling them actually what they need. I'm not going to mm-hmm. tell them they're doing a good job if they're not doing a good job. Right? I'm holding yeah. them accountable, but I'm also encouraging them. I'm a partner in the journey, right? I'm that kind of thing. All of that is accurate. All of that stuff stacks up, right? To value to where they're like, like originally this was only worth the $30 Groupon, mm-hmm. but now it's worth $75 a session to me. Yeah. Right you know, 30 bucks for the group on that got you the two months worth of training or whatever it was that 90 days or yeah, whatever. You and did. now it's like 150 bucks a month. Right. Now they're, now they're charging five X. Now yeah. you're charging five X and they're paying five X because they recognize the value in yeah. that. So I'm not saying it's not a good business move to offer, have a special offer or like a, some type of a, an entry level offer to get people in. I'm saying from the consumer perspective and from the coach's perspective, what are we actually saying we're going to do? And what are we actually getting out of that? Yeah. Because here's where the problem comes in. I think you you got an overinflated sense of self-confidence from the instructors, from several instructors. There's not a lot of application to the theory, or they have a lot of application in one sort of genre. Again, your law enforcement or your mm-hmm. military, which doesn't necessarily transfer over to working with Sally Jones, the 40 something housewife or professional that is just looking to feel a little bit more confident around handguns because she's trying to make a decision on maybe what handgun to buy. You know, is this a good idea for her? And effectively, what you're asking is somebody that is trained to be a, you know, say the combat side of things is trained to be a killer right? Mm -hmm. Effectively to teach somebody how to be, just feel good around being around their gun and maybe be proficient with it. There's a big disconnect right there. Right. And it takes time in order to build, build that kind of knowledge and build that kind of skill in order to do that. And then there's the business side, right? Right. Which is a whole, a whole other side of this. So you went back to like, are you being coached or taught or are you being tested? Yeah. And I think a lot of the, the things that we see out there are, that I'm seeing that bother me is it looks like everybody's like trying to run some kind of a contest. It's all competition. Yeah. And I think there can be value in competition when it's done appropriately. 
Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Uh, at my movement, uh, efficiency course, I did a challenge at the end, um, for a gift card for my store. Everything leading into that last challenge though was step-by-step, forward movement, lateral movement, walking and shooting, running and shooting, standing, kneeling, prone, changing levels, barricades, whatever, right? Everything is one step at a time. And at the very end, so that everybody feels like they got that stimulus, that, that pressure, that pure pressure, that under time pressure, and then a little bit of physical fatigue after they've been introduced to every single aspect, every single small uh, step uh, to that, that challenge pieced together everything that we covered in the course, the one challenge at the very end, right? And so they got instructed for 95% of the course and the last 5%, uh, Andrew, the guy that won, felt great, told me the other day, working out with them that like, dude, he loves the base plates and all this kind of stuff. And then he went and retested that same uh, challenge on his own training. So he's testing himself. now. So now he's testing himself. And to me, I feel like that whole, that whole thing was a success, but what we're seeing isn't the step-by-step process and then everything coming together at the end with one challenge. What we're seeing is people throwing kettlebells in the mix at the range for what uh, people having, I've done this, I've gone to courses where a couple times where we're doing suicides, you know, 18 yeah, shuttle runs, 18 yeah. people, yeah. shuttle runs, dude, I have video of everything I do. So if anybody wants to check me, I got the video. I felt great. The only one though, there's people with their pants falling down. People that didn't realize running with the belt more than once or twice that their war belts coming off. Uh, people that were flagging people at my, the course I went to because doing shuttle runs and this was just lateral. This wasn't even forward and back. This was lateral. They're falling apart. People wheezing like, okay, what was the, what's the stimulus? What's the point of that? Um, you got them to realize they're out of shape, but I mean, you could have did that for a lot less without a firearm being pointed at everybody in the group. Right. Uh, so I think there's a lot of pieces to this whole thing that can be kind of broken down to like, yep. What you as an instructor, are you an instructor or is this the fucking test? And then are you selling people that you're teaching them how to get to this point? Or are you selling them that, Hey, we're all coming out together. You're about to get tested. Good day at the range. Let's see where you match up with everybody else where you stand. Yeah. I think there's a couple things here. You've got the consumer in again, and then the, the instructor in or, or coaches end and the coaches have pressure. And that is like, I'm trying to start a business or I'm trying to do this. I'm also trying to be an authority and they're, they're trying to back up the ego that they may have brought to it. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff going, you know, mm-hmm. potentially going into that. And there's also this pressure to maybe make some money at the same time because they're the, the time that they're dedicating to it, or, you know, they also mm-hmm. see that there is potential to do that and they start making compromises or they start and some of those compromises would be similar. Like if I'm, if I'm again, relating to the fitness side of things, if you're looking to hire a fitness coach, the compromises are they start doing things like thinking that they have to teach you something new every time you come out. Right. And <clears throat> there has to be something sizzly or sexy. That's how I'm going to get you coming back. Mm. Right. And the, and the only way for me to get you coming back is kind of going by this test test being taught thing 
is that I have to keep showing you all the things that you don't know. Otherwise you're going to leave or you might go to another instructor. Right. So I have to keep, I have to keep throwing this, this sizzly kind of, and, and, and at the same time, like showing you that I can do it. Right. Yeah. And again, go back to the ego piece. Like I can do this. You should be able to do this. Or, you know, I want you to aspire to be like me, which is highly fucking inappropriate as far as I'm concerned. If that person wants to be there, that's fine. That's up to them, but it shouldn't be you putting that on them. It's the same again as a fitness coach saying, well, I can do this. Why can't you, you know, like, look what I do. This is what I do with my diet. How come you can't do it? This is what I do with my exercise program. How can you, how, how anybody can do it? If I can do it, that isn't necessarily true. It's not, it's not applicable, but they start running into this. All right. Well, I have to give them this sizzly stuff. I have to make it so much better than this other instructor's course, right. In order to stay competitive. So I want to break that down one, one level further. And look at when you're, when you start to, to look at it that way, what ends up happening is there, there's a lot of compromise that happens and you start to, to not do the things that a coach is supposed to do. And when I look at working with clients in, in fitness, in business, uh, in relationships, you know, this is just my, been my experience in my time. I fucked up a lot, man. Initially when I started as a coach, I was that douche. I was the guy that was trying to beat people up, make them puke, you know, make them so sore, you know, that, you know, they come back the next day and like, oh, you sore today? Yeah, I'm so sorry. I can't remember. Perfect. That's a great workout then. See, yeah. you're making progress, which is totally ridiculous. I mean, after my first year of coaching, mm-hmm. you know, like I started to realize like, oh my God, I should have to go back to all of those people I trained my first six months of training and apologize to them for being that guy. Right. And then second year came around, I got a little sharper started to understand the clientele, started to understand how to assess and evaluate a little bit more, get a better baseline. And then, you know, as I started to move on in my career, you know, I got to that point where you finally realize, you know, you finally discover what you don't know. You know, now you finally know what you didn't know. There's like this conscious uh, incompetence, like, you know, okay, I need to get better at these things. So I'm going to, I'm going to circle it back to the, what should be happening in coaching and what a client should be focused on or you know, a consumer should be focused on when looking to improve something. And again, this is, this works in business. It works in, in firearms, it works in fitness, works in relationships, whatever. And it starts with basically skill acquisition. You, you have to, and you have to understand what the skills are that you need to need to acquire, but there's some basic skill acquisition and that takes time. That is not going to happen in one session. It's not going to happen with one session plus some dry fire. It's not going to happen in one session, you know, three sessions, you know, this person that buys the four pack of, uh, of training sessions because it's the special or the five pack. Mm. Look, what you're going to get is a really good introduction to what you don't know and the skills that you need to learn. That's what that, that those sessions are really about, like learning what you don't know. And what I mean by that is learning that these are the things you're going to need to work on. So once I've sort of, uh, uh, started, kind of to build these skills, then I get to work on those skills. And again, so I built this kind of this foundation or these fundamentals of like, Oh, I need to know how to squat. I needed, but I don't have a lot of skill yet. Right. I need, I need to know how to handle my firearm. I need to know how to draw from the holster. I need to know whatever it happens to be. There's all kinds of fundamental things you need to know. And then there's the skills that go along with making those fundamentals better. So it starts even before skill acquisition. You have to understand what the fundamentals are. You have to have a base. Then you move into skill acquisition. And then once you do that for some time, 
and you have a high level of proficiency, you're still trying to build proficiency again in your business skill or whatever else, then it turns into mastery, right? Then I'm trying to work on the mastery of those skills. And that's when you're taking it to the next level. And that would be maybe equivalent for kind of in the broad sense, like going from a white belt to a brown belt, right? To ultimately being a black belt. I mean, it takes 10 years for this to happen in say jujitsu for using that as an example. Over that time, I'm building and building and building and building, and the mastery finally starts as you get later on down the road. And when you earn that black belt, you're basically being basically presented with what well, you have learned. You have finally attained the level of master at this. But that's the best part about the, any black belt you talk to. They'll just be, they'll never stop. They just keep trying to get better and better and better. The problem I see is people are trying to be black belts, like on their their first month or two of firearms training or yeah. the first month or two of fitness training. And that's, that's creating a problem because I think what instructors are trying to do or get people there because they think that's what they have to do in order to keep them hooked and keep com- coming back. And that's what we're seeing on, on social. And that's what we're seeing and hearing from people out there. And it's, and it's a problem. It's a, it's a problem. Yeah. And I think, uh, as a coach or a business owner, I think that, uh, if you just approached them kind of like what we're talking about with the fitness thing, we're like, Hey, we're doing this together and I want to work on whatever you need to work on to get better instead of like coming up with some crazy test for people or like, um, having your own end goal to, to feel good about, um, what you're selling them, like actually just being like, okay, how can we help you get to where you want to be instead of me, 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 it's what do you need? Right. I've had the most success with people by going through um, like coaching, doing that. Like everybody that I mean, I feel really good about coaching CrossFit. <laughs> okay. So my point of me saying that is like, that's exactly my approach with everybody. And I've had like really good success rate with that by treating everybody as an individual, everybody at a different spot, and taking that journey with them. So much so that I have like, you know, members that, are now friends or that talk to me outside of CrossFit because we've developed that relationship, which was there so that I can help them get somewhere. Right. But actually now I was so good at that, that now it's, it's past that. And my point in saying all that is that like, you have to have well thought out curriculum, but you also have to treat people like an individual. And I I don't think any of that shit is happening in the 2A community right now. It doesn't seem like it. Um, like I said, I've taken a a good amount of courses now from some of the largest names. And like I referenced earlier with the shuttle runs and things like that, where you, you run through two to three full mags, depending on what size mags you run. So you're out there a while. Basically what you're saying is, is this is a long, this is a long duration of time under stress anaerobic for, you know, looks like two to three minutes of nonstop uh, lateral direction change, short sprint, stop, short sprint, stop. And I, I had a great time doing it. But like I said, out of 18 people, the only one who had a great time and probably one of the only people who didn't flag somebody. And my point is, was that a test? Were you trying to give me an experience? Which is what I see often in the firearms world is like, they teach you a little bit and then they'll be like, okay, well, I want to give you an experience so that you come back. 
but are they paying for the experience? Are they paying for the coaching? Cause some people do want the experience, but I think you can do that tastefully and also in an informative way without just giving them the party, but actually making them better. And you have to understand what the limitations of you are as a coach and the environment that you're in as well as, as well as the consumer. It's just, again, just keep bringing it back to fitness. Like everybody's been in a group training situation, not everybody blanket statement, but people been in like a, in a group training situation. Right. And they've, they've walked in and like, they're getting the experience and here's it. I'll give you an example. There's plenty of, plenty of these examples, but it's the studio that has, the red, you know, the lights, you know, the flashing lights, the disco ball, the loud music, the instructor with the headset on that mm-hmm. has to yell through the microphone. They're dancing around up in front. It's very high energy. It's moving at all kinds of, you know, all kinds of different directions or whatever. And it, there's an experience there. And that's why people go because it's like basically a party. Yeah. It's like going to a, going to a nightclub. You're enjoying the process. Right. Right. Yeah. You're, you're cycling places are really popular for that reason. So you got this cycling class or this treadmill class, whatever else. It seems like a party. It's like a party on a bike. I mean, that's literally the, the slogan of, of one of these places and that's fine. And I think, you know, again, there's, there's a low level of probably injury risk and things like Mm -hmm. that, but there is really no structure to that workout or progressiveness to that workout. You're basically coming in, you're getting sweaty, you're sweating with the person next to you. And if that's what you're looking to get, that's fine. Like then go, I'm not, I'm not yeah. bashing it that way. But if you're using that as a basis for a progressive fitness program, or in the case that we're talking about this experience that you're getting out on the range with this particular instructor, um, the, <laughs> that is not a good way to build those, fun, those that foundation, right. Yeah. For that skill acquisition. And then again, the skill mastery. And to go back to your point about the shuttle runs mm-hmm. or those, the suicides and you doing great and having fun and then not making the mistakes that you're seeing other people. That's because the people don't have the foundations or haven't gotten the skill acquisition to be able to do the things. And they piled on more than they can handle, whether you don't have the foundational uh, fitness level to do that. You don't have the skill level in order to move laterally. Maybe you are fit, but you don't have the ability to to move because you don't train that. And I tell you what, like I said, this was a, a large brand that ran this course and from what I've collected about these courses, cause I've been to a, a good amount of courses. Um, what I've collected is that they have curriculum. Um, and then they kind of let each instructor free ball that the last challenge area of the, like maybe the last 25% of the course. Like, yeah. okay, so we got yeah. through this. And so now it's up to you, depending on what range you're at to put together these movements. So it comes together for them me in my head, I, don't, I have no idea how two minutes of shuttle runs, you know, made me better after doing some, some movement forward back, not a lot of movement, a good amount of walking and shooting, but then going into shuttle runs, you know what I mean? And then like not having a true round count, not having right. a timer. So there was no like measurement here of skill or performance. I clearly fucked everybody up on that one and it didn't really matter. There was no challenge. There's no winner. And like I said, I, there was one guy who was ex-military and this guy like looked like he was about to pass out and the instructor had to actually go up and like walk next to him while he was finishing and we're all cheering him on. But it was also He's like, pushing himself beyond where he probably should be pushing him as well. Walking in a shuttle run, walking. Yeah. So it's, at it's that clearly point, beyond that guy's skill 
and or mm-hmm. foundational level. So what that tells me is a, the preparation for that course with, which includes the curriculum wasn't well thought out and B the person instructing it is actually just a shooting coach and has no idea um, how to put together piece together skills, whether it's physically um, like your, your physicality, physicality, excuse me, and fitness, uh, your movement patterns combined with shooting. That tells me that they just know generally how to teach you how to shoot. And then they put together all that shit. And I, I honestly was disappointed because I spent 400 something dollars on that course. And I knew I was above it going into it, but I didn't think I was going to get disappointed like that. Yeah. There's a disconnect, right? And maybe that's how they learn it. And, and, and the instructor can do it. Yeah. And they remember doing it and their buddies that they go out and shoot with on the weekends can do it, but they're not, they're not tailoring it to the general consumer or at least who they've allowed into their, their class or their workshop. Yeah. With me, they were all, they're all cool with me. There's a couple instructors at this course and they're all talk to me and shoot mm-hmm. the shit with me. And man, you did great, but stop looking at me. Stop talking to me. Help the guys out that are actually like their pants are falling down doing these shuttle runs. Their belts were clearly until today, not set up for movement. Got you. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're shooting AR 15s with fucking lights, two lights, lasers, uh, that's a, optics. That's a whole other issue. Like when you, if you're an instructor and you see that walk into your, into your session, into yeah. your workshop, that's a red flag and that should be addressed. Like, I mean, this it, is like, what I mean by individualizing things and like treating every customer like they're an individual, even though we're taking this class together, everybody's an individual. I have, I've yet to go to a class where, you know, kind of everybody comes in, right. And they they start to show up and it's, it's generally, uh, it's generally, it's just like being in a uh, fitness class for the first time. Everybody, nobody knows one another. He's kind of trying to find out where do I put my bag? Where do I, you know, where, which, yeah. which bike should I take? You know, or where's my spot on the floor? Or in this case is like, where do I put my, where do I put my stuff? Where do I gear up? Where do I, where I start topping off my mags? Nobody's really saying much. Uh, you know, there's always a couple of people and it's, I'm usually one of those guys introducing myself to people and, there's always a couple people there that already know the instructor and they're like monopolizing the, the instructor's time or more specifically, the instructor is allowing them to monopolize their time. Red flag. Instead of getting to know the people that are coming into their session mm-hmm. that they don't know, yeah. they should be, if they already know those people, then those people that are trying to monopolize their time should respect the fact that they're going around trying to, to yeah, because and, they should have been that person at one and, point. And my, and my way about going about that with, especially with CrossFit classes is I'll leave that person alone for a bit and I'll watch from an angle that they can't see me. So they're not affected by me watching and observing. And after I start to like really get a handle on where they are, I come up and I make sure like, Oh, I just want to make sure everything's good. I notice this, you know what I mean? And if that never happens, then you're not instructing. You're not coaching. Yeah. You're, you're, you're just giving, well, the the coaching piece being being able to provide very specific feedback to somebody on something that they're doing well or not doing well to help them improve with, with only the intention of helping them to improve or keep themselves from getting hurt, right? I kind of look at instructing, uh, we're splitting hairs here, but I kind of look at instructors, you're just giving directions, yeah. right? You're just saying like, here's the drill, go do the drill, yeah. right? Versus um, explaining it, demoing it, which 
also still instruction until it comes down. Coaching comes in where you're again, able to assess somebody and evaluate. So so that's something that I think that the firearms world has made like a slogan, but for some reason we still don't see. Um, When I took the triple feed low light course, uh, dude, they would explain everything as a group. Let's all come in, talk about this. That's pretty standard with all courses, but then they'd say, Jerry's going to do this. And then eyes and ears, Jerry does it. Is there any questions about this? Okay, everybody to the line. Literally the entire time. Now, given that was like a six and a half hour, seven hour course, nonstop instruction, nonstop demos. If you're running a course where you are, you have the time, you know, like you know you have five, six, seven hours, because some courses don't like that. Some courses think, you know, past four or five hours is going to be mental, physical fatigue. So I would agree with that. Some it depends on what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. So I was fatigued after the after the triple we feed course, with. but it was so not physical outside of just kneeling. Yeah. Everything else was so not physical that like I was willing to stick around and learn and just absorb because there's so much information from them and they were really good about breaking that down. My point in saying all this is that they demoed everything and gave you rationale every time. Mm-hmm. And I told them straight up right after, like, dude, this is this is one of the best courses I've ever taken. Because of that. Because of that. Yeah. There was never any question for me. And if I even had the slightest question instantly, there was an answer. There was somebody like, oh, let me show you why. Now, yeah. the triple feeds three people, but my point is, yeah, like... Well, that's a good point that you're making, right? So if yeah. you're putting 25 people into a session, right? Because yeah. you've got you've got a bay big enough to put somebody in there or, again, a room and a gym big enough to put 25. Is that a good thing? Is that what's in the best interest of the consumer that I would imagine you're trying to hold on to, like, for the next time? Like... You know, if I'm, if I only do one thing, I only expect to see these people one time and I'm just going to do this knowledge transfer as we said before or whatever, and I don't care. Okay. We'll do whatever you want, I guess. But if, if you're trying to, trying to build a business and you're, and you're trying to really provide value both for the short end for the long term, I don't know if putting 25 people in a, in a bay is a good thing. If you're certainly, if you're all by yourself. So what is your ratio? And as a consumer, I would be asking this, how many people are in the class how many instructors are there? Is it just you? Do you actually coach the class or the the workshop or does somebody else coach it? And if so, who are these people, right? How, how, how do you vet your instructors? If I'm a solid business owner, I love that question. Oh, so you're a savvy consumer who wants to know, guess what? I have all of those answers for you because I've vetted every single one of my coaches. I know what their qualifications are. I know what they're, they're they love doing. I know what they hate doing. I know who they're good with working with, who they might not be good with working with. And I'm going to be totally transparent about it. And I'm going to put everybody in a situation to win. So if this person's coming into the session and they need maybe a specific type of touch, and I'm just going to say like, maybe they need a a certain type of coach. Like they like being yelled at, like they like being, you know, they like being messed with. They, they, they perform better. I'm this guy. I perform better when somebody's in my ear, you know, like kind of like razzing me a little bit or joking with me a little bit. One of my best friends is like that. Right. So that there's other clients or other, other consumers or other people that might be showing up for this workshop that are not like that at all. They're very sensitive. They, they're very intimidated, whatever it is. And none of those things are bad things. It's just who they are. Right. Mm -hmm. Some instructors might not be good for that, 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 that client, right. Yeah. It, that's, that's in that situation. So if you have a group of instructors, how are you dividing, dividing those people up? And if you're a consumer, like in you, and you're not sure, 
right? You should be able to go to the instructor and go, Hey, I'm not really not sure about this. Um, can you, can you help me? Like what you're saying is, is like they answered that question. But if you're walking into a group of, of, of instructors with like a lead instructor, I would, I would expect or want the instructor to be like, Hey, I'm not saying every, you know, you have to deal with snowflakes. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is so that everybody gets the best experience possible. And I mean that from the people that are very highly skilled that may also be, or have a lot more skill than somebody that's in the class, somebody else that's in the class or a group of people that's that are there in the class. It works both ways. Cause if I'm spending all my time with you, this group with group a, the skilled people, that means the unskilled people aren't getting the attention they deserve yeah. right? or need more specifically and, and deserve. And vice versa. If I'm over here because these people are having a lot of trouble with some of the basic fundamentals, that means the people that were there to maybe work more towards skill mastery or skill acquisition are not getting are not getting what they need from the class. And that's not good for anybody. It's not good for you. It's not good for your business as an instructor. And it's not good for those clients. It's the same in walking into a fitness facility or whatever. And you can see it right away when you walk out there. Like if you're if you're savvy at all, you can see it right away when you walk into a, a, a fitness situation or you walk into a uh, firearms training situation you're like oh shit this is a clusterfuck you know this is yeah. look at that i'm and i'm gonna add this as an instructor what i see happening all the time what i see being advertised the most and i get it it's the same in fitness it's group instruction right and you, you get you rent out the bay cost you money mm-hmm. right and so you got to put butts in the seats right it's just like having a you know if you have a five thousand square foot gym well you need to be you're looking at how many dollars of revenue do I make per square foot in this place, which means I need to fill it up with people. Yeah. Right. So I get it. They're going to these, these group sessions and there can be a lot of value in the group sessions. Uh, but at the same time, if you can't coach somebody one-on-one, you'll never be able to coach a group effectively. Yeah. uh, Specifically, I'm going to use that word effectively. If you can't work with somebody one-on-one, there's no way you're going to be effective in a group. I would say the group situation is even harder than the one-on-one situation. What what gets lost or where you can get you can get by in the group situation is not having the soft skills, not having the good coaching skills cuz you don't have to if you're not being held accountable to it. You can kind of just sit back and there's 25 people there and I'm giving an instruction. Some people are good, some people are bad. What's been what's being measured here? Well, if 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 there's, if there's say 24 people and 13 of them are doing good, well, then I'm fine. You know, I'm winning as a coach. I'm doing an okay job. These people, they're just not as good as the majority, right? If you're, if you're looking at it that way versus being like a one-on-one situation, if I'm paying for one-on-one uh, coaching, I would expect that I'm going to start seeing some, so if I'm coming and upholding my end of the bargain and I'm doing the things I'm supposed to, supposed to do, I would expect that my questions are being answered, that I'm, I'm seeing that those fundamentals start to get layered on and stacked and then working into the skill acquisition, I should be getting better. And if you're doing a good job as a coach and I'm doing as good job as a client, then we're going to see these things progress. And I'm going to continue, like you said, move from the group on to, you know, to the five X, you know, session rate. Yeah. And I don't want to get, I don't want to, I guess, belabor this thing. I'm just saying there seems to be a major disconnect between how to provide value to the audience that you have or the audience that's, that's in front of you. And part of that is understanding, obviously that audience, there has to be a high level of awareness. What are you doing as an instructor to create that? What is your onboarding process into this? 
And once that happens, do you have the ability to adjust if your audience shifts or your audience changes? Like you have a course that's planned for the day, right? And you're supposed to be teaching these things and you very quickly realize these people are more advanced than this. I've got a really good group group of shooters. And even when you default to your lowest common denominator within the group, you recognize you could dial this thing up a bit. Do you have that skill? The more important skill is to be able to go the other way to recognize I have this whole course planned out and I'm recognizing this is way beyond where this, where this at least the majority of the people are in here. I have to adjust in a way that provides value for everybody and for that, for those consumers. And I think those are the, those are the skills that I see lacking or that I've experienced in kind of going to courses or, or doing things. Certainly in the fitness business, I've been doing it a long time. I've seen that. Um, I, I mean, I experienced it here. I, it's one of, you know, even at, at Red Dot, like we have to, you know, we, we have coaches that are, are in their, inside their three-year process, right? Yeah. You know, of, of getting better. It's our job to make sure we're guiding and coaching them. But when you're out there on the, on, on your own and there really is no accountability, right? As an instructor at a bay with a bunch of people and at the end of the day, everybody high fives, goes home and you don't see them as frequently. I mean, dude, it's hard. It's I hard. know that with now, like, what do we have at? the pistol movement efficiency. I think we had like what, 16 people. Yeah. It was a packed class. Yeah. I think it was like 16 people. Right. So, um, I think, yeah, I think you're right. My classes with CrossFit are generally anywhere between 10 and 25. Like they fluctuate depending on day and time. Right. right? Again, convenience. Yeah. Availability. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like if I have like 20 people in each class, let's say just to round out here. Yeah. In a CrossFit class, I can have somebody who's like, oh, hey, this is my first class. Okay, cool. I give them a little extra attention. The rest of the class is, you know, I make sure that nobody's doing anything dumb. If I can help quickly with somebody and make an adjustment, then I do it. But I know that my attention has to be with the person who clearly needs to catch up. But if it doesn't go well that day, not in terms of injury, but in terms of like growth, I like usually give them some sort of homework very light homework. And I, and I tell them, Hey, don't worry. I'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you the next day after that or whatever. We're going to, we're going to get through this. Firearms training is different. Everybody who went to my pistol movement efficiency course, um, for the most part, I think I only got positive feedback from what I can gather from that. And a lot of people took a lot of that home and like worked on it, which is great, but I'm like lucky. I would say Mm -hmm. because it like makes me feel bad. Like I, I, I want to like message these people and be like, Hey, is everything good? Like I followed up with one of them that was there today. And like, he clearly is better. Right. Uh, my point is that you see these people, let's say you do for me, I'm not going to instruct more than once a month. I just won't, it's not my main gig for firearms training. Right. So like for me, if I only get to see people once a month, if that's the case, uh, yeah, I'm like a nervous wreck and I'm going to be in communication with them between this day into the next month, because I need to make sure that a, they're doing their homework, homework, getting their value and B they're they're actually progressing. That's the reason why I do firearms training. It's not because like training with purpose is totally fine without the the firearms training. I do it because I want to see the progression in people. I enjoy that as a coach. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my point is it's harder. The task is harder as a firearms coach because you get to see CrossFit classes or whatever classes three days a week at least there's much more frequency right much more frequency where you get to connect with people yeah so i i understand the stress level that comes with seeing people at best once a month 
but I think that's that's a good good point of what you're saying there is is like what what are you providing to the consumer beyond the the workshop or the class yeah. right and so how can you provide value to keep them on track to keep them coming back so you are seeing a building there versus mm-hmm. like the one and done scenario yeah because if you're if you're not providing value beyond that and there's many different ways to do that and I'm not even going to begin to get out into all of them, but are you providing them, you know, as a regular content you're providing them is there a private group that you have, you know, whether it's through some social platform or is there an email type of thing that you do is there, are there like online courses that you've provided for them? Do you pr- provide like once a month check-in calls, you know, or it look, there's a million ways to do this, but are you providing that so that they are feeling like they are connected? And again, taking the, foundational stuff that you give them or the skills that you're, you're now helping them to, to acquire and develop a little bit more of to continue to progress. This is only good for everybody, right? Because then when you have the next class, right? Or your next workshop and those people have progressed and you get a couple of newbies in there, the people that have been working with you have been extracting all this value from, from you and have been improving are going to be perfectly fine with you spending a little bit more time with that newbie that's in the class yeah. because they were that person once too. Mm-hmm. Right. And then what you don't have is this constant cycling in and cycling out of new people and randoms and, and whatever else to where you can see true growth. There's no continuity, right? Mm-hmm. There's no continuity in the group. There's so what are you measuring? Like from, Oh, I haven't seen you in six months. I mean, that's like, um, you know, a nutrition coach that's like giving somebody some type of a, you know, some type of a caloric prescription after maybe some level of assessment and that doesn't follow up with them or they don't talk to their, yeah, their client. It, it, it makes for no three sense. Months. And this is where the two a world sense. kid can benefit from like some of the business models with the fitness world. Thousand percent. Right. It, so I think that's really where it's, it's, it's very immature. It's very, yeah. it's a very immature, immature place right now. And there, that's not to say that everybody's, you know, that there aren't amazing instructors out there. Uh, but you're going to need what, well, I guess what I'm saying is from a consumer perspective, there needs to be a higher level of awareness of what you should be looking for. And if you kind of relate it to maybe a fitness experience you may have had, or even with some other type of professional where, you know, you weren't happy with the service you were being provided. I don't know, from an attorney, a doctor, you know, mm-hmm. or what, whatever it happens to be in, in life, you moved on to the next person. What did you learn in that experience? And what, what can you take with you? with, with regard to your level of awareness so that you can reevaluate and make sure you don't get yourself into the same situation the next time. And again, we're in the very, very beginning stages of this is what I'm seeing. It's kind of in its infancy. Like it used to be a bunch of old dudes running around one shot every three seconds. You go out there only. Yeah. You spend eight hours with a, yeah, with a, you know, eight hours on the range and you, you shoot 25 rounds, you know, kind of thing. That is not what we're seeing anymore. People are going out there. We're going to run the high speed shit, right? They want, they want to be moving around fast and and doing all kinds of cool stuff and and damn it i'm a coach like it gets mundane teaching people you know the same same stuff but the bottom line is is that's what they need so i get that you want to kind of step it up you want to make it more exciting and you look good when you're doing it and people look up to you when they see you doing it but is that appropriate for the consumer is that appropriate for your business? And are you doing right by your client, you know, or your student um, for the, both the short and the long term? And the only way you're going to know that is if you get to know those people, you get to know what their needs are, what their wants are, 
And again, there's a, there's a solid level of an, of, it comes of down to there. getting to know people. Um, I'm not fake at all. I'm completely transparent about everything, but I do give a shit about anybody that I work with coaching fitness or instruction. So I follow up. I want them to get the best product or result. I'm not just selling myself. I actually just, that's what I want. Like I said, the instruction and coaching part of my life makes me the least amount of money right now. That's not what I'm doing here. Right. I'm just telling you from my experience. Uh, like, like I love that I have like uh, a 60 year old lady that lets me know when it's our anniversary, the day of our first session. <laughs> that's great. You know what I mean? Other than best. This, this day was the, the day you changed that's, my life. That's bigger than any paycheck. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And so my point is like, I try to bleed that over to the firearm stuff. That's yeah. why half the people that went to my pistol movement efficiency work out with us now at Red Dot. Yep. You know what I mean? Because you want more than just that, that cash then and there. Well, they've earned your trust. Yeah. Right. And you're give and you respecting that trust. Yeah. And you're providing value in return. And that's all that's all I, I would hope that instructors and consumers want from one another is to have that relationship. And so again, it's having that connection, knowing who your people are. And you said a very important thing right there, which is you're following up, which ultimately means you're getting feedback. You're right. You're getting mm -hmm. feedback about what it is, the value that they are or aren't extracting. Are they picking up the things that you're teaching them? Right. What are you? So here's what I, you know, this is an old saying, like if you can measure it, you can manage it. So if you can see progress, right. And there are things that we see people doing out there with sort of challenges and standards and, you know, that they do on their, do on mm -hmm. their own. There's, there's a few people out there that do kind of these things and they become very popular and they're, they're kind of fun to watch and, yeah. and so forth. And there is a certain level of measurement that you can do there. Am I improving or am I not improving? And then from there you can manage it. Well, okay, well I didn't improve here. I'm not doing so well here. What are the little things I need to work on? Again, skills, fundamentals, what is it? And tactics, there's all the things that go into these things to the, again, the improvement portion, but as an instructor, you're looking for feedback and, uh, it, it, it has to be more than what you hear just at the end of a course, because people are, you're, you're, they're drinking from a fire hose most of the time, mm -hmm. right. Is trying to acquire these things. It's the same for a same for, you know, again, on the fitness floor, they're, 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 they're being stressed out, right? I mean, they're, they're sweating, they're breathing heavy, they're hearing you, but are they listening to you? Right? Oh dude, like, I don't I'm, know how many times I've been in the middle of a CrossFit workout where like, I know what the fuck I'm doing somebody I like and respect can walk up to me and try to tell me something. I'd be like, dude, get the fuck away yeah, yeah. from me. I can't right hear now. you right now. Yeah. I can't hear you. <laughs> I'm not trying to hear yeah, this. Yeah. Like right? where you feel like fucking Ricky Bobby yeah, on, yeah. The, <laughs> on the NASCAR yes, track. But my, my point is, is you're drinking from a fire hose, you know, during this time. So now mm. they have to take for me. I'm, I'm a processor. Like I walk away, I marinate, I download, mm. I decompress and I really walk through and kind of peel back and lay out all the pieces and go, what did I take away? So when somebody asks me for feedback right away, I'm actually pretty hesitant to give it. I will give like my immediate feedback and I, and I, and I preface it to that. Well, my immediate feedback would, would be this. I really like this. Um, or, you know, uh, there was this one portion that I really struggled with, but in terms of my, 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 uh, sort of critical thinking specific that's more of like an emotional feel kind of thing. Like I really like the way you did that. I, that, that, that made a real impact on me. I, I, I know that at this point, but I always say, look, I always step away. I always try to evaluate, you know, kind of all the pieces so that I can provide some meaningful feedback. That's how I do it. And whether people are conscious to that or not, 
after a six hour course or whatever and asking for feedback and everybody at the end, especially after running some type of a challenge where everybody has mm-hmm. some fun or we're slapping high fives, we're cheering people on, you know, somebody's winning prizes or whatever else. Yeah. Asking for feedback at that time might not be the best time. Yeah. Right. I mean, asking what they learn where they have, they're still breathing heavy from the drill and still high on the adrenaline from the, you know, the almost win or the, you know, the close loss or whatever it happens to be is probably not a really great time to get it. And I'm not saying you can't give valuable feedback then and it's totally inappropriate. I'm just saying, let's be real about the feedback that you're getting at that point yeah. and what can you do to, to yeah. obtain more later? I like, I like getting feedback right when everything's done and then asking them to follow up with me if they think of anything else. Yeah. There has to be tools to do that, right? There has to be a pathway to do that. And whether that's you making a personal phone call, which Mm -hmm. may or may not be realistic for people, um, or some kind of a survey. Um, I think those things, I'm not a big fan of those. We actually do that here with our employees. Like when we go through it, uh, we we do regular reviews with our employees here with our coaches. And when we do these these, these reviews, these would be like their annual or biannual review, depending on where they fall in the process and how long they've been with us as an employee or whatever. There's three components to it. There is a, uh, an evaluation or evaluation done by say senior management, right? And there's, there's, it's all lined out. It's based on job description, performance, things like that. There are some key metrics or very, or um, measurables that we take a look at. No, nothing that the person is unprepared for. They've already, they already know what these things are, right? There's a self-evaluation that's done by the employee. So they get to, you know, they get to kind of put down their own thoughts before they see kind of where the, where we're coming from, from a, from a management perspective perspective. And we send out several like a not like self-addressed stamped envelopes with surveys in them to a random selection of clients, right. Uh, that allows them to provide feedback. So we get feedback from all these different areas, mm-hmm. right. And in the sort of the anonymous feedback we get, we hope puts people in a little bit better pers- uh, position to, um, you know, maybe not feel like it's so personal, like they're not being mm-hmm. put up, put on the spot in front of the person, in front of the coach, and not get somebody in trouble or whatever. And I have to be honest, like the feedback that we usually get from the coach and and senior management is very transparent and very upfront because we have good relationships. We know our people. So like if they know they suck, right, it's something they're going to say, man, I really suck at this. And we don't tell them they suck. They just, they know they, they, know they, they need to be doing that better. It's n- nothing nothing we didn't already know. It's just more, what are we doing to make it better? And same from the other side, from the, from the management side um, or the leadership side. But from the, from the client, it's almost always invariably positive, right? If we got five surveys of 10 that we sent back, sent out or evaluations we get back, like if we got five back, there might be one in there that's like, you know, uh, so-and-so has been late a couple of times or, you know, whatever. But my point of this is, is there's an evaluation system that happens mm-hmm. that's, it's, it's been put together as a means to get better, right? Not a, yeah. right. As a means to, to have a platform to get better, but none so beneficial as the one-on-one feedback you get from somebody when you actually have a real life conversation with them, not yeah. through fucking text message, not through email, right? Not through social media and DMS, through literally picking up the phone call phone and calling somebody that's really, or having a, a, when they're, when you're passing by them in our case, the gym, which isn't necessarily a thing that can, you know, can happen with firearms instructors because you, you're not going to pass them on the range, but reaching out to them to find out how they could be better. I think 
would pay massive dividends to a lot of these instructors that I realized they're not in it because they're, they're trying to rip people off. It's the same as the fitness business. I genuinely, they think what they're doing is, is good. Right. Yeah. And they want to do well and they want to help people. So I'm not saying people are out there ripping people off. That's not my point. My point is, is if that's what you really want to do, let's step up the game a little bit. Let's raise the bar. Let's raise the standard and let's hold people. Let's hold ourselves a little bit more accountable. Yeah. I mean, to being great business people and great coaches and great instructors. That's it exactly. For the community. That's all it is. Is like, if you want to be in business, if you want to be an instructor slash coach or whatever you want to call it, hold yourself to a standard, be the best that you can be not to sound corny, be the best that you can be show up, like really give true effort and think of this like a business. Don't think of this. Like, this is what I like to do. And I'm just showing up. Like there's one last part to this too. And uh, I, this, this could even be a, a conversation for a different time. And I believe we may have had it. And that is, Get peer reviewed. Have, you know, the community needs to do a better job at holding one another accountable. And I mean that in a positive way. Yeah. Go to the instructor's training course across town. Find out what he's doing. Collaborate. Like, stop playing everything so tight to the chest. If we're if we're all out, the pie is big enough for everybody to oh, have a piece. Trust me. Right? So, you know, invite somebody to come to your course. Hey, man, I'm having this course. I've got these people. Hey, I would love it if you came over. Maybe we could talk shop a little bit, but you could, you know, I love what you're doing over there at your company. I've seen, I've heard only great things. Maybe you come over and give me some feedback. We can, we can, you know, trade some knowledge, trade some information. Um, I'd, I'd love to have you come over. I think if people did a little bit more of that, like where could we, where, how could you improve as, a, as an instructor with that? We do that all the time here as coaches. We invite other other training companies. We invite other coaches from around the area to come in. And you know what? They end up, we had a lot of people asking us because they heard that we had other people in here. Hey, can I come over and hang out with you guys for one of your staff development? No fucking problem. None yeah. of this is secret. It's not like this, this is, you know, like, and this, going back to innovation and, yeah, man. and growth as, as a community, it's right? Community. So like nobody should be hiding things. Like I know that there's, there's like some talk about like, this is my own curriculum. So I don't want to give it away to a bunch of people, but then also like you could be providing the absolute best product. If everybody's constantly coming out with better stuff and it kind of goes back to us talking about like gear with shot yeah. show, like mm -hmm. prices being better because of certain things. Right. Let's, let's make one another better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and exactly. And that pressure, what that, that, that pressure ends up doing is it weeds out the garbage. It weeds out the shit, right? Yeah. The cream always rises to the top. And yeah, there are people out there that are being paid the top level pricing that aren't the cream. Yeah. But it's the longevity of that generally isn't very, very long. There's probably so. like celebrity status. I mean, I want to say, I know I say this often, but there's definitely I, that. Man. I remember that's always going to be the case. It's like that in yeah. any, in any space. I, I'm pretty sure I tried to do a, a Haley strategic class and it was like three times the price of, of what your average class charges, mm -hmm. I want to say, but I was willing to do it. I actually was going to pay. I actually, I think they just had a better vetting system to where the one coming up, I didn't have enough time to like get vetted to do the course. But the point is I was willing to pay it because I wanted to like, see if there's something I can get better at from somebody I highly respect. But again, you're paying for almost the celebrity, right? Maybe. 
Yeah. You know, I know you, you decide that as the consumer, was it worth the price? Yeah. You know, and it's and interesting. Ultimately they're going, they're going to let you know if they think it's worth it or not one yeah. way or another. So. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, that consumers are so good about cell phone reviews and like, like gear reviews just for life. Right. Like the, what's the best camera? I learned a bunch of shit about cameras by YouTube reviews. Right. But none of that happens for firearms training and firearms training is few and far between. Like there's only so many of us and they happen like once a month right. or one week in a month. It's crazy to me that people aren't making reviews about like, Oh, I went to this course and this is what I experienced. And it kind of goes back to us talking about yeah. people being scared to give real opinion because they don't want to be shunned from that's the community. It. That's it. There's a lot of that. We're worried about our feelings. Yeah. You know, put that shit aside at the end of the day, if what we want to do is get better then, you know, uh, be, you know, be respectful, be compassionate yeah. when you're providing the feedback, uh, be constructive, right. And make it a productive conversation. But, uh, yeah, if you're coming into it already with your walls up or with, uh, you know, being very reactionary yeah. to it, yeah. that's not, that's not going to make for a good environment. I, you know, at the end of the day, like it's really just about developing, there's so much potential, right. To, to be better. And if we could be better, maybe we could start to slow down this conversation or quiet this, this conversation that's continually happened about basically the firearm firearms being evil and the firearms industry being a pariah. Um, I, you know, we're, we're our own worst enemy sometimes. And uh, a lot of times, and I think stepping it up, being a better business owner, uh, being a better coach means being a better business owner at the end of yeah. the day. And this is all things that the top level businesses in the world, no matter what, you know, what what it is what what widget they're selling or what services they're providing they do the, do these types of things and that's what's made them better and it sometimes it comes with a little discomfort uh, and a little realization and yes it takes investment it takes time of time and and finance sometimes to do that but if what you really want to do is do this and it's not just a hobby right mm. it's it's your business and at the end of the day this is a serious business yeah this is not like arts and crafts this is not like Pinterest, right? Like how do you, how do you make this, this basket for Halloween and I'm doing a YouTube video and shit on that. This is some serious stuff, right? And it has ramifications and just, uh, ask both the consumer and, uh, and our community as a whole, step it up a little bit. Let's just step it up. Yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent. Um, with that being said, how do you feel about, uh, some of the stress-induced training that uh, I was talking to you about previously. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I think this speaks to what we're talking about, and that being I see too much complexity being added into these seminars or workshops or whatever they are for the crowd that they're, that they're teaching. And, mm -hmm. and, and this speaks to the stress pieces when you're developing, I'm just going to talk from a human performance perspective. When you're talking about increasing performance, it all goes back to what I just said. There are fundamentals that you have to have, and there's skills acquisition, skills acquisition before you get into skills mastery. And there are tools that we can use in order to induce stress to help people be to to understand how to perform better within those stressful situations. In in fitness, we 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 add more weight, right? We add yeah. more reps. We add more intensity usually done with more, more weight. That's what usually people usually do. We can add more volume. There are different variables that we can tweak within the training program 
and the system to the system of training or however we're, we're applying that system or, or that program to create more stress again in the stress. The point of adding more stress is to have a, an advantageous effect, right? To get some type of a training effect that helps us be stronger, faster, you know, recover better, whatever, whatever yeah. happens to be. And in firearms training, it usually winds up being how, how fast can we do something mm-hmm. right again? And if you don't have that fundamental, the fundamental things being basic mechanics, uh, you know, as you start to layer this stuff on, I think it can be become pretty problematic, but it can also be really valuable just like in. Yeah. I mean, well, there's levels to this as Meek Mill would say, right. Um, I know relating it to CrossFit, there's Olympic weightlifting. I know people like Joe Rogan are like, why the hell are people Olympic weightlifting for time? Yep. Right. Cause time is another stress inducer. Right. Um, why are they doing that? Well, um, Nobody should be doing that until they master the foundations, or I shouldn't say master, until they get proficient at the foundation right. of Olympic weightlifting, right? And so on a weekly basis, I do some sort of Olympic weightlifting movement with some sort of either machine or body weight anaerobic movement, meaning like burpees or uh, aerodyne bike or rower, something of that nature mixed with it because I no longer want to clean and jerk 300 plus pounds. I want to just rep out 225 to get, let's say 80% um, of my max after um, anaerobic conditioning. Right. And so the test is, can I keep my, my mechanics? Can I keep my form? Uh, Can I keep the wheels on the bus after inducing some cardio stress, some like energy system stress. Right. Uh, And the benefits for that are a few different things. That's just overall, uh, fitness that gives me some strength, some power, some explosiveness. But then again, cardio is usually what's best for your overall health, right? Um, so those are the types of things that you do in CrossFit. Now, what we're seeing in the firearms world is like, hey, man, you have a fucking sandbag, you have a wheelbarrow, you have some kettlebells, but I don't understand like what's the end goal, what's the stimulus here, right? Like, do you actually understand what you're doing, or do you are you trying to like sell people some glamour by having them run like we were talking about earlier, suicides or sprints? with shooting, uh, doing kettlebell swings <laughs> as uh, Raul from rogue methods would say, you know, um, I've never seen kettlebells on the battlefield before. <laughs> it's something to that effect that he told me one time. I thought that was funny, uh, because I, I brought up this type of thing, like to ask him how he feels about it. Right. Um, I know that me personally, I like with firearms training, I like doing things like burpees and running mixed with firearms training because, it's basically a stress test, but, um, it's not just for time. I'm also to that point in my training though, to where I could give a fuck if I have like a sub one second draw one shot at five yards. Right. But I do give a fuck about how my mechanics start to break down after piecing together, running, uh, some sort of energy system training, uh, like an airdyne bike. Let's say you're doing, you know, 15 second sprint on an airdyne bike, full blown, going into draw and then three shots at five yards that feels much different than just drawing and shooting three shots from five yards. But the stimulus and the goal there would be, would be to almost get to puke mode because you're going full sprint on the aerodyne bike. Right. And it's low impact. That's why I would choose aerodyne versus like actually running. Cause you can only actually sprint so many times in your life. Um, 
And then hopefully I try to make the wheels fall off in a controlled environment and see where I stand, which that would be like uh, simulating me going full bore anaerobic sprint from A to B in a real life scenario. Cause I only train firearms, sh- like training for life saving reasons, self-defense, that type of thing. Right. So that would put me in like the red zone uh, with mental and uh, energy system fatigue. That would be my point for doing that. My thing is on the internet, I'm, I'm seeing a bunch of people throw kettlebells and barbells in the mix. And I'm just like, so, so what's the deal there? Like, what's, what's the end goal? Do you even understand what an energy system is? Do you even understand like what it's doing to their heart rate or how realistic it is? I think things like the sandbag training might be realistic uh, because you do have to like carry odd objects, you know, maybe on the battlefield, I wouldn't know cause I've never been in war, but I'm just assuming, right. Um, especially, especially, excuse me, uh, working in a team environment, having to do the dummy drags and things like that, things like that, that makes sense. But aimlessly running around, not having true distance, not having true rhyme or reason, um, that's a dangerous slippery slope, especially when my whole specialty is movement and I'm constantly watching people running around with guns. I'm watching them uh, with terrible muzzle awareness after getting under physical fatigue, right? So, okay, good job. You created physical fatigue, you created like energy system fatigue. And now you have people running around like dumbasses that you didn't actually teach them how to run around with a gun. You didn't teach them, you didn't build those foundations up enough to constantly be running them to the ground with a live firearm. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, it comes down to like why we're doing kettlebells and burpees. I, I see burpees being somewhat applicable to like actual battle, but I mean, again, are you doing 10 burpees or are you doing one or two and then getting into a battle? That's pretty realistic. What's um, the goal, but okay. what's, what's the end goal here, right? The only reason why you're never going to see a bike on the battlefield, but like I said, an Aerodyne bike gets you to puke mode pretty quick with low impact on the joints. Um, and so I, I, you know, I can go on a whole rant about this, but I, I just actually don't think people have rhyme or reason. They just start throwing physical stress into a, like drills. And then they don't actually know how many is enough to do to people, but really one or two, no matter how good a shape you're in is all you need to understand what that feels like to test. I guess you can say, how good are your fundamentals? How good is your draw? Because when shit really hits the fan and when you really start to physically fall apart, I can tell you from experience with CrossFit that your, your Olympic weightlifting form might start slowly falling apart. You might get early arm bend and you're clean. You might not pop the hips into full extension when you start getting super tired and your eyes are flickering and you're drooling. You know what I mean? When that kind of shit happens, maybe your mechanics fall apart, but that's also us testing in a competitive nature, not training to be better. Right. And so again, are we testing or teaching? And I'm seeing this often in the firearms world. And I'm trying to ask people who might know better than me, like I said, like what they think about this kind of stuff. Like I, I referenced rug methods, um, Raul's in great shape and he does a ton of physical stuff. And, um, yeah, he's somebody who's not a hundred percent a fan of that. I think, uh, he just likes like the running component and even then not even long distance, like it's a couple sprints and then you're done. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Iron Sights. If you enjoyed our conversation, you can support our mission by hitting the subscribe button, leaving a review, and sharing the podcast with a friend. I'll see you on the next episode.